in a world where hooded cultists totally, 100% actually exist. So, Chip, why did you want me to come to this abandoned building with you? Oh, who are your friends in the hoods? Where ritualistic human sacrifices take place daily. God is dead! Satan lives! Where your local daycare serves as their base of operations, and everyone who likes metal is definitely one of them. Starring Mike Warnke. Why is it that you drive in a parkway and park in a driveway? Key McFarland. We've got to believe the children. And the entire town of Salem, Massachusetts. She's a witch! Burner! This January, get ready to panic about the satanic. Rated R, coming to a podcast feed two towns over from you. You know what would help that? Lore tab? A lore tab, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, what ails you? I'll tell you that right now. It should. But, uh, all right. I'm so. Have to eat something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Taco Bell, half of it ended up on me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as soon as we, uh, as soon as we finish up this whole thing, I'm going to eat like four cheese covered hot dogs. You do you. And a taco, like, yeah, I'm with that. I think I'm. I might. Why don't just... you eat a hot dog taco? You just put a, ta- a hot dog in a taco shell. No, no, I get what you mean. What's wrong with that? I might. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing. Well, I mean, realistically, a lot is wrong with that, mm. but I might do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hi everybody. Welcome to Two Towns Over. <laughs> oh yeah. You've been getting me with this with the secret record button lately. Like you, God it's damn the it! The point is the best content when you're, you're not on. No, it's because for whatever reason you've been catching me saying like the most degenerate shit every single time. <laughs> what is degenerate about eating a hot dog and a taco? Okay, yeah, if you get you, past you, the euphemisms, no. Well, I mean that's great too, but no, just literally. Like say say those words again and tell me that that's not sh- some absolute degenerate shit. It's putting a hot dog in a taco. I don't, I don't see how that's degenerate. I, that's that's pretty. Like maybe it's maybe it's my millennial mind. I just like or not millennial, I'm a millennial Gen X mind. It's definitely suggestive. Suggestive, it's, yeah. It's not but... the suggestive part that I'm hung up on. I didn't even get that part. That's not where my head's at today. I'm I'm too I'm still too full of demonology for that. <laughs> it's it's just uh, like it's it's some shit that I would have come up with when I used to have like a a, a way heavier smoking habit. <laughs> well, don't don't put your hangups on me. That's on you. Well, it's what you really caught me saying that I'm not proud of is that I said I was going to have like three cheese covered hot dogs and a taco. I feel like it would actually be less degenerate if I were to combine them. You're not degenerate. It's gluttonous, maybe, but not degenerate. When I think degenerate, I think of somebody who's like Barney Stinson from the How I Met Your Mother or something. Just 
I didn't watch How I Met Your Mother. Eh. I like good sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> Went on for nine years. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make it good. I enjoyed it. Are you saying Sorry. That I'm not good? No, you're great, Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're great. I appreciate you. I don't appreciate How I Met Your Mother. I don't appreciate shows with laugh tracks. I hate laugh tracks. There's one exception. It's that 70s show. Okay. Eh, whatever. <laughs> Way off topic, but whatever. Welcome, everybody, again, to Two Towns Over. Uh, I would introduce myself, but it's become an uh, exercise in futility to do that. So you know who we are. That's Don. That one's Ruben. Yeah, and that one's Clown Stick McFuckwad. <laughs> whatever it was. My name is Josh. Oh, now it's Josh. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we have a very unique situation here. Uh, as Did you, guys... you just say Clown Stash McFuckwad? Clown, clown Stick McFuckwad. McFuckwad, oh, okay. yeah. I got um, <laughs> It's actually pronounced Fuckwad. Fuckwad, sorry. Yeah, there's, there's an apostrophe. <laughs> I'm on some weird energy today. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a long session for you. You guys don't know, but we've actually recorded the equivalent of four episodes today. So we're all kind of, uh, I don't want to say we're running all kind of in- clown sticked. Yeah. Um, some of us are uh, medicated while others aren't. But uh, anywho. And here's the fucked up part is it's not even me. I'm it's not, not even, even Josh. The one He's just naturally. I'm just like this today. Squatted. <laughs> Oh, so, um, this is a unique situation. Uh, as you guys know, recently we started a new midweek, uh, format called, uh, uh, legendary history. Yeah. Yeah. That's the bitch. And, um, we actually, the first episode we did, we actually had two stories ready to go. One was the one you heard about, uh, Iron Mike Malloy, the one man who would not die. Love that story. And the other story is what we're going to do today is our main episode, because as I read more and more into him, uh, it was a fascinating story. It was a funny story. And it actually is the basis of an actual urban legend in one of the rare cases that turned out to be true. Which, surprisingly enough, that was actually the whole point of the podcast when we started. Now we just talk about whatever we want, really. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and you guys come along for the ride. Nobody's complained yet, so we'll do what we want. So today we're going to talk. I asked us to buy him a phone. Huh? I don't I'll know never if that counts as that. a. I don't know if that counts as a complaint, but he did do that. Oh yeah, something or yeah, there was the guy that was saying stop messaging me or something. Yeah, he he called us hackers because yeah. he saw our ad, ad. yeah on Facebook, mm-hmm. and then navigated his way all the way to our Messenger. page. Yeah. And then selected the option to message us and said, yeah. get off my phone, hackers, stop hacking, stop hackers. Yeah. And then there was the other guy that uh, just straight up messaged us on Facebook and asking for asked a phone. if we would buy him a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing that we can barely. <laughs> we literally, like, we didn't even have Patreon yet. I don't think we did. No. No. Like, now, now we could afford to buy somebody. If we're not gonna. Yeah. We could, we could, though. <laughs> we could. Because if we buy him a phone, then we can't take our next paranormal investigation classes. So Right. But, okay, so today <laughs> we are actually going to talk about the story of the inept outlaw who became an Urgewood legend by the name of Elmer McCurdy. That's 
That's a good. That's a good farmer name. Yeah. So Elmer McCurdy was born in Washington, Maine, on January first, eighteen eighty. He was a son of seventeen-year-old Sadie McCurdy, who was unmarried at the time of his birth. Sadie McCurdy's also a good farmer. Yeah. Yeah. The Id- I'm. I can't stop thinking about Jeanette McCurdy though. Who's oh that? yeah, that's a uh, Sam from uh, iCarly. Yeah. Never watched iCarly. She recently was talking about how the Nickelodeon execs and some other higher ups were like gross. Yeah, and one of the guys was a guy that used to be on Head of the Class, which was a show I watched. Mm. Yeah, 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 that's who that is. Mm-hmm. Jeanette McCurdy is that lady. Okay. Yeah, uh, she just released a book called "I'm Glad My Mother Died." Wow. Yeah. Okay. Her mom was like really abusive and yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. See, in my day, uh, the the biggest like show on Nickelodeon was you can't do that on television. Oh God. Yeah. That's way way. That's back. where the slime yeah. came from. That Nickelodeon Man. is famous for. Oh yeah. Gacked. Oh. Yep. So the identity of McCurdy's father is unknown. One possibility is Sadie's cousin Charles Smith. McCurdy would later use the name Charles Smith as an alias. In order to save Sadie the embarrassment and shame of raising an illegitimate child, her brother, George, and his wife, Ellen or Helen, adopted Elmer. Now, after George died of tuberculosis in 1890... Okay, Elmer is Sadie's... Son. Son. Yes. But and he, he may or may not have been fathered by her... Cousin. Cousin. Yes, okay. Charles Smith. Gotcha. Uh, so... What year again? 18 in 1880 is when he was born. Checks out. Yeah. So after George died of tuberculosis in 1890, so dismissive, (laughs) Sadie and Helen moved with Elmer to Bangor, Maine. Sadie eventually told her son that she, not Helen, was his mother and that she was unsure of who his biological father was. The news disturbed McCurdy, who grew resentful and became unruly and rebellious. Hit you, mom. (laughs) As a teenager, he began drinking heavily, a habit he would continue throughout his life. Is he going to be uh, a murderer? No. No? Nope. Oh, neat. He'll be an outlaw. Maybe. I actually don't yeah, know anything an about this story. Yeah. So, I, I may recognize parts of it. What did you later, say this but... one was a, was the inspiration for? Uh, The mummy in the funhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so McCurdy eventually returned to Maine to live with his grandfather. <gasps> I think I might know this story. Mm-hmm. Really? Became... Yes. Oh, how backwards is that? I'm yeah. the one with weird energy today, and you actually know about the story? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I, If it's the one I think it is, I'm pretty sure I know about this story. I think I know what happens to this guy. Yeah. So this is what it's like to be Reuben. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basket this is what it. it's like to be Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still Don. So McCurdy eventually returned to Maine to live with his grandfather and became an apprentice plumber. He was a competent worker and lived comfortably until the economic downturn in 1898. McCurdy lost his job, and in August of 1900, his mother died of a ruptured ulcer. His grandfather died of Bright's disease the following month. Shortly after his grandfather's what death, is Bright's disease. I am no. not certain. I got it. I'm going to Google it real quick. Thank you. B R I T E. No, B R I G H T. Bright's disease. Um, it's because you didn't have a bright enough idea to find a cure. I guess not. It's just like really bad lightheadedness. 
It's an archaic term for what is now referred to as nephritis. It's an inflammation of the kidneys caused by toxins, infections, or autoimmune conditions. It is not strictly a single disease, rather a condition with a number of types and causes. Okay. I said that it's a really bad case of lightheadedness, and nobody laughed, but I thought it was pretty funny. Sorry. Uh, so ah, sh- <laughs> Just got it. So shortly after his grandfather's death, McCurdy left Maine and began drifting around the eastern United States, where he worked as a lead miner and plumber. Ooh. I think I do know this one. He was unable to hold a job for an extended period due to his alcoholism. Well, and probable lead poisoning. Yeah. he is just probable, I think. Yeah. He eventually uh, made his way to Kansas, where he worked as a plumber in Cherryvale. Now, McCurdy then moved to Iola, Kansas, where in 1905, he was arrested for public intoxication. He then moved to Webb City, Missouri. In 1907, McCurdy joined the United States Army. Assigned to Fort Leavenworth, McCurdy was a machine gun operator and was trained to use nitroglycerin for demolition purposes. The extent That's of his... who can make a spunk ball. Yes. The extent of his training, though, was likely minimal. He was honorably discharged from the Quartermaster Corps in November, on November 7, 1910. McCurdy then made his way to St. Joseph, Kansas, where he met an Army friend. On November 19th, McCurdy and his friend were arrested for possessing burglary paraphernalia, chisels, hacksaws, funnels for nitroglycerin, gunpowder, and money sacks. The same- God damn, damn. This, we're in the money sacks time period. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> Fucking beige sacks with green dollar signs on them? Hell yeah. The St. Joseph Gazette reported that during their arraignment, McCurdy and his friend told the judge the tools were not intended for burglary purposes, but were tools they needed to work on a foot-operated machine gun they were inventing. Wow. plausible. (laughs) It's also not something that you should maybe admit to the police. Well, I mean, if you're an inventor. We're just... If you're an inventor back in this time, also anybody could make guns back in the wind. Yeah. 1910s. Eight. Oh, 1910s now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like it when... Just, uh, imagine that. You get pulled over now, and you're like, no, 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 no. Okay, what a silly misunderstanding, officer. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're not using these for burglary. We're making a new machine gun, you see. <laughs> Imagine how fast you'd be in cuffs. Yeah. Um, in January of 1911, a jury found McCurdy not guilty. After his release from county jail, McCurdy's short-lived career as a bank robber or bank and train robber began. Uh-huh. His robberies were generally bungled affairs due to McCurdy's ineptitude. Good, 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 good. <laughs> McCurdy decided to incorporate his training with nitroglycerin into his robberies. This often caused problems as he was overzealous and failed to correctly determine the proper amount to use. That's me in every video game. Same. (laughs) Every single video game. Like, for the longest time, I had a running joke with someone that I would play Sea of Thieves with. Yeah. Where any time he would hear me say, I have an idea, the next sound that you would hear would be an explosion. (laughs) So. It's a good policy. Uh, Honestly. By March of 1911, McCurdy had again relocated to Lenapah, Oklahoma, or Lenapah. On March 24th, 1911, he, he and three other men decided to rob the Iron Mountain, Missouri Pacific train number 104 after McCurdy... Now you had it right, 104. After McCurdy heard that one of the cars contained a safe with $4,000. Ooh, in 1910 money. Yeah. So they successfully stopped the train and located the safe. 
McCurdy then put nitroglycerin on the safe's door to open it, but used too much. The safe was destroyed in the blast, as was the majority of the money. It's like with explosives, though, it's better too much than too little, right? Because if it's too little, then you don't blow the door open, and then you've wasted the explosives. But if $125,000. See? But if it's too much, you do what he did, and you destroy the money. <laughs> so McCurdy and his partners managed to net $450 in silver coins, most of which were melted and fused to the safe's frame. Oof. <laughs> So on September twenty first, nineteen eleven, like like, <laughs> <laughs> what a way to bungle a robbery! Oh yeah. So God, if I can't have the money, no one can. <laughs> uh, so on September twenty first, nineteen eleven, McCurdy and two other men attempted to rob the Citizens Bank in Chautauqua, Kansas. After spending two hours breaking through the bank wall with a hammer. McCurdy placed a nitroglycerin charge around the door of the bank's outer vault. Good, good, good. The blast blew the vault door through the bank, destroying the interior, but did not damage the safe inside the vault. Nice. McCurdy then tried to blow the safe door open with nitroglycerin, but the charges failed to ignite. After the lookout man got scared and ran off, McCurdy and his accomplices stole about $150 in coins that were in a tray outside the safe and fled. What? Yeah. A pussy. <laughs> you signed up for the bank robbing gig, dude. Yeah. And you were only the lookout guy. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was stand there and go, hey, I, yo, uh, cops are coming. <laughs> like, that's all it takes. Yeah. But he got scared. And that's the dude that ran off. Man, come on. Why'd you sign up for the gig? But then again, the blast also blew the vault door through the <laughs> bank. Didn't blow the the bank the safe open. It just blew the vault door across the bank uh, and destroyed the bank. I might be like, you know what, guys? Yeah, at that point, I'm running from my accomplices. <laughs> it's yeah. it's going to be my understanding that he knew that there would be explosives involved. But you also would expect that the person who's handling explosives knows what he's doing. Well, that's fair. <laughs> and he probably should. Yeah. <laughs> Like he, Not just probably, bud. He has <laughs> he has training with them too. Like, why does he keep fucking up the amount? No, he's not fucking up. He's specifically like, I'm just gonna make the biggest fucking explosion I can make. Today. That's what I think. He's not in it for the money. No, at he this wants point. to blow. He shit just wants up. to blow shit up, and he could have made his own entire separate living out of that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so instead, we would have called him Demolition Man. Yeah, they would have made a movie out of him. It would have been a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So instead, he just took the money out of the take a pen, need a penny, take a penny jar and ended up with $150. <laughs> Later that night, Fucking the, a. the men hopped a train which took them to the Kansas border. They split up and McCurdy made his way to the ranch of a friend named Charlie Re- uh, Rivard near Bartlesville, Oklahoma. He stayed- Man, none of these places are real. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. He stayed in a hay shed on the property for the next few weeks and drank heavily. Now, McCurdy's final robbery took place on October 4th, 1911, near Okessa, Oklahoma. McCurdy and his two accomplices planned to rob the Katy train after hearing that it contained $400,000 in cash that was intended as a royalty payment to the Osage Nation. However, McCurdy and the men mistakenly stopped a passenger train instead. Dummy. The men were able to... Brilliant. (laughs) Dumb ass. 
asses, though. The mail the men were only able to steal were able to steal only forty six dollars from the mail clerk, Good. two demijohns of whiskey, a revolver, a coat, and the train conductor's watch. Good, good. <laughs> A newspaper. Literally, they were just taking whatever they could get. Yeah. At that point, like it was, none of that is worth much. No. Like f- forty-six bucks. Yeah. Even in nineteen ten, forty-six bucks ain't shit. Yeah. Like you, it was you maybe split it a couple of ways and get a good dinner out of it. I was gonna say it was maybe a week's wage. Back then, something yeah. like that. Yeah, but I, it's, you're you're not even gonna pay rent off that amount of money. The watch was probably worth more. Yeah. A newspaper account of the robbery later called it one of the smallest in the history of train robberies. (laughs) So, McCurdy was disappointed. (laughs) Good. McCurdy was disappointed by the haul and returned to Rivard's ranch on October 6th, where he began drinking the Demijohns of whiskey he stole. This guy is the worst robber in Mm -hmm. history. Yeah. I love him. He's a bumbling fucking idiot. Yeah. That's why I said this had to be a main episode. This was too much for a midweek. Right. No. Oh, my God. This is hilarious. He's he's a fucking... He's so stupid. Who am I? He's like if... He's Mr. Bean. Yeah. As a bank if robber. If Mr. As Bean a was robber. a fucking train robber. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, by this time... It's Mr. Bean as played by Johnny Depp in The Lone Ranger. <laughs> right. It's because you also haven't given me, like, any quotes from him. Yeah. So I'm assuming that he doesn't talk no. like Mr. Bean. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he started drinking the whiskey he stole. By this time, he was also ill with tuberculosis, which he developed after working in the mines, and with a mild case of pneumonia, and with trichinosis. Jesus. He stayed up drinking with Damn, some of the... Damn, 1910 times was hard. Yeah. yeah. He stayed up drinking with some of the ranch hands before going to sleep in the hayloft the following morning. And never waking up again. No. Unbeknownst to McCurdy, he had been implicated in the robbery and a $2,000 reward for his capture was issued. So the people who found him were going to make more money than he did in the yeah. robbery. Damn. <laughs> He would have made more money by dressing somebody up like him yeah. and turning himself in, basically. Fucking amazing. And that would have been the smartest thing to do. Yeah. So in the early morning hours of October 7th, a posse of three sheriffs, brothers Bob and Stringer Fenton, and Dick Wallace, tracked nice. McCurdy to the hay shed using That's a home. Marvel character. What, Dick Wallace? Dick Wallace. He's also a race car driver. Oh. Ow. Naturally. Yeah. Not as good as Dick Trickle. There was a guy named Dick Trickle. Good. Good. So, Good. There's also, what, what was that football coach's name that was like, I think it was Butlicker? <laughs> okay. Literally. I believe that is correct. I'm not sure, though, because I don't watch the bo- the footballs. Yeah. Me either. I just know it because it's funny. So the posse tracked McCurdy to the hay shed using bloodhounds. Uh, the only one I know is, like, besides, like, Tom Brady or whatever, it's like DeBrickashaw. Something DeBrickashaw. I think his name is like DeBrickashaw Johnson. That sounds like a Key and Peele sketch. No, it's actually what that sketch is based on. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a real person's name. I know there was a ba- basketball player that was called Scientific Map. but That can't be yes, real. Yes, it was real. Oh, my God. So they surrounded the hay shed and waited for daylight. In an interview featured in the October 8th, 1911 edition of the Daily Examiner, Sheriff Bob Fenton recalled, 
It began just around seven o'clock. We were standing around waiting for him to come out when the first shot was fired at me. It missed me, and he then turned his attention to my brother, Stringer Fenton. He shot three times at Stringer, and when my brother got undercover, he turned his attention to Dick Wallace. Stringer Fenton, also really good name. Yeah. Strong. He kept That's a sh- Dick Tracy-ass name. Yeah, uh-huh. He kept shooting at us for about an hour. We fired back every time we could. Damn, dog. An hour? Yeah. We do not know who killed him. McCurdy was killed by a single gunshot wound to the chest, which he sustained while lying down. So even the man died stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so McCurdy's body was taken to the undertaker in Pawhuska, Oklahoma, where it went unclaimed. Joseph L. Johnson, the owner and undertaker, embalmed the body with an arsenic-based preservative typically used in embalming in that era to preserve a body for a long period when no next of kin was known. He then shaved the face, dressed the body in a suit, and stored it in the back of the funeral home. As McCurdy lay unclaimed, Johnson refused to bury or release the body until he was paid for his services. Johnson then decided to exhibit McCurdy to make money. He dressed the corpse in street clothes, placed a rifle in his hand, and stood it up on the corner of the funeral home. For a nickel, Johnson allowed visitors to see the bandit who wouldn't give up. At various times, McCurdy was also called the mystery man of many aliases, the Oklahoma outlaw, and the embalmed bandit. The embalmed bandit. Yeah. (laughs) So the bandit became a popular attraction at the funeral home. No, I was just reflecting oh. that I did know where this was going. And drew the attention of carnival promoters. Because this became a thing later. Yeah. Like, yeah. Car- because of this man, carnival promoters would, like, buy corpses and shit for yeah, their Yeah, I did know that. Mm-hmm. It's this guy. That's why. Nice. So Johnson received numerous offers to sell McCurdy's corpse, but refused. On October 6, 1916, a man calling himself Aver contacted Joseph Johnson claiming to be Elma McCurdy's long-lost brother from California. Aver had already contacted the Osage County, Oklahoma sheriff, and a local attorney to get permission to take custody of the body and ship it to San Francisco for proper burial. The following day, Aver arrived at the Johnson Funeral Home with another man calling himself Wayne, who also claimed to be McCurdy's brother. Johnson released the body to the men who who then put it on a train, ostensibly to San Francisco. It was instead shipped to Arkansas City, Kansas. Good, Holy good, shit. good. <clears throat> the men who claimed to be McCurdy's long-lost brothers were, in fact, James and Charles Patterson. James Patterson was the owner of the Great Patterson Carnival Shows. James Patterson has written some great novels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, traveling, uh, a traveling carnival. After learning from his brother, Charles, about the popular embalmed bandit exhibit, the two concocted a scheme to take possession of the body in order to feature it in Patterson's Carnival. McCurdy's corpse would be featured in Patterson's Traveling Carnival as the outlaw who would never be captured alive. Until 1922, when Patterson sold his operation to Lewis Sonny. Lewis Sonny used McCurdy's corpse in his Traveling Museum of Crime, which featured wax replicas of famous outlaws such as Bill Doolin and Jesse James. That's pretty cool. In 1928, the corpse was part of the official sideshow that accompanied the Trans-American foot race. In 1933, it was acquired for a time by the director Dwayne Esper to promote his exploitation film, Narcotic! 
The corpse was placed in the lobby of theaters as was a... Was it, was it like in all caps yes. with an exclamation and point? Yes. Yep, cool. Well, well it wasn't so. all cap, but yeah, there was an exclamation point. Neat. So, the corpse was placed in the <laughs> lobby, in the lobby of theaters as a dead dope fiend who, fiend who Esper claimed had killed himself while surrounded by police after he had robbed a drugstore to support his habit. Wow. By the time... Man, talk about... Outdated. Yeah. <laughs> By the time Esper acquired McCurdy's body, it had become mummified. The skin had become hard and shriveled, causing the body to shrink. Esper claimed that the skin's deterioration was proof of the supposed dope fiend's drug abuse. It's like... What year is this now? We're now in 1920... Or 1933. Yeah, this is a couple fucking... Damn. Like a decade yeah. after he died? Yeah. <laughs> So after Lewis Sonny died in 1949, the corpse was placed in storage in a Los Angeles warehouse. In 1964, Sonny's son, Dan, lent the corpse to filmmaker David F. Friedman. It eventually made a brief appearance in Friedman's 1967 film, She Freak. Holy fuck. In 19- Dude, his life after death was, was better. so much cooler. <laughs> yeah. So, in 1968, Dan Sonny sold the body along with other wax figures for $10,000 to Spoonie Singh, the owner of the Hollywood Wax Museum. Singh had bought the figures for two Canadian men who exhibited them at a show at Mount Rushmore. While being exhibited there, the corpse sustained some damage in a windstorm. The tips of the ears, along with fingers and toes, were blown off. I just, I have to, I have to take a second here because this man was the most like Charlie Chaplin, Mr. Bean slapstick comedy ass robber of all time. Yeah. Bumbling fucking idiot, mm-hmm. like I said. And then after he died, he was he's he was in a movie. Yeah. He went to Mount Rushmore. Yep. Mm-hmm. A uh, bunch of people came to see him, uh yeah. paid money to see him, yeah. you know? He was a fiend. Yeah. Yeah, he lived so many different lives after he died. So the men eventually returned the corpse back to Singh, who decided that it looked too gruesome and not lifelike enough to exhibit. When we say rest in peace, this is exactly the opposite of what we mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're like in fucking Tansler territory with this. Oh, we have gone a little bit farther past Tansler, I think. <laughs> Um, well, that depends on the metric. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tansler kept, um, what was her name? Ilana. Ilana. For seven years. Elena, right? No, it was Elena, Ilana. Elena. Well, well, sure. E-L-A-N-A, however you want to pronounce it. Okay. He kept her corpse for nine years? I think it was seven. Seven? I believe it was seven. I'd have to go back and listen. And so should you. Go back and check out two-part episode Carl Tanzler. It was our first two-part episode. Yeah, it was our probably, first two-part probably episode. Probably one of our uh, favorite. Yeah, it was Defin- the first time we had Cat. We did a lot of firsts yeah. with that. It was one of my favorites that Mine we've too. done. It was definitely one of our funniest. If you're new to us, yeah. go check out that episode. According to Carl and A Nice Day for a Black Wedding. Those are the titles. Um, They have shuffled this corpse around for way longer oh, than Oh, yeah, Tanzler we're talking did. like multiple decades. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He died in what year again? Uh, 1911. 1911, and, and we're, we're up to... Well, no, 1964. I was is, about to say. Yeah, 60... Hold on. Homeboy died in 64, the other guy. 
Yeah. So we're literally like yeah. 50 years later. I was going to say, this is basically two generations of people have had his body. Yeah. So, and they're just doing whatever they want with it. Granted, nobody's doing what Tansler did, but still. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. And that's allegedly with some hard quotation marks. Um. So, do-do-do-do-do. The men eventually returned the corpse back to Singh, who decided that it was t- looked too gruesome and not lifelike enough to exhibit. Singh then sold it to Ed Lysearch, part owner of the Pike, an amusement park in Long Beach, California. Right, now he's made it all the way to California yeah. to from Long his humble Beach, beginnings no in Oklahoma. Well, technically, he was born in Maine, so he's gone yeah, right, all the way across the literally all the way across the country. I, I say humble beginnings in Oklahoma yeah. because that's where we really got to know the man. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> By 1976, McCurdy's corpse was hanging in the Laugh in the Dark Funhouse exhibition at the Pike. Holy shit. On December 8th, 1976, the production crew of the television show The Six Million Dollar Man was filming scenes for the Carnival of Spies episode in Long Beach at the Pike. Uh Uh-huh. During the shoot, a prop man moved what he thought was... To be a wax mannequin yes, that was I hanging from a gallows. Story. Yeah, I knew you would. When the mannequin's would. arm broke off, a human bone and muscle tissue were visible. Police were called, and the mummified corpse was taken to the Los Angeles coroner's office. On December 9th, Dr. Joseph Choi conducted an autopsy and determined that the body was that of a human male who had died of a gunshot wound to the chest. 65 years yeah. post mortem. Yeah. Yeah. So the body was completely petrified, covered in wax, and had been covered with layers of phosphorus paint. Wow. Yeah, so it could glow in the dark in the funhouse. Fuck. Yeah. So it and not w- so fun in it anymore. <laughs> so it weighed approximately 50 pounds and was 63 inches in, in height. So just like five foot three. Yeah. Uh, some hair- <laughs> That's a little taller than my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Some hair was still visible on the sides and back of the head, while the ears, big toes, and fingers were missing. The examination also revealed incisions from his original autopsy and embalming. Tests conducted on the tissue showed the presence of arsenic, which was a component of embalming fluid until the 1920s. Tests also revealed tuberculosis in his lungs, which McCurdy had developed while working as a miner. Bunions. Does, does that remain contagious? No, I think it's like the, the what tuberculosis does to your lungs. Right. Yeah, I think that's what they found. Okay. I'm I was sure going to say, the... because I, I know, I mean, a body can still transmit diseases yeah. after death. But, I mean... I don't think it can do it for point... 65 years. Yeah. You know, at some point, the bacteria has nothing else to feed off of. Right. Unless it... it's one of those that goes into stasis. Oh, fuck, dude. Viruses are so scary. I know. What's scary is all this this polar ice cap melting shit. Uh-huh. Do you know how many viruses and bacteria have been buried in ice for yeah. millennia? Mm, that's a big fear. That it's starting to be thawed out now? Yeah. We're all going to die, and we're all going to hang in the Laugh in the Dark funhouse. Neat. <laughs> um, that was always guaranteed. Um, he also had bunions and scars that McCurdy was documented to have had. While the bullet that caused the fatal wound was presumably removed during the original autopsy, the bullet jacket was found. It was determined to be a gas check, which were first used in 1905 until 1940. These clues helped investigators pinpoint the era in which the man had been killed. 
Further clues of the man's identity were found when the mandible was removed for dental analysis. Inside the mouth was a 1924 penny and ticket stubs to the 140 West Pike Sideshow and Lewis Sonny's Museum of Crime. Wow. So people were sticking shit in his mouth. Wow. (laughs) So I'm going to reveal something about myself as a person. I want that bullet jacket like as a display piece. Okay. I don't even know where you would look for it. I'm sure it's like in there's some places. There's it's, definitely it's places. out there somewhere. Yeah, but I'm sure it's like I mean, there's a lot of people flock to like that true crime auction site. Yeah, you know where you can like buy a letter written by uh, the the Cropsey yeah. murderer, uh, Andre whatever his name was, Ryan. Is it Ryan or Rand? Who gives Andre a Rand? Andre Rand. Yeah. Rand. Um, like you can buy letters written by him or, you know, different weird pieces yeah. of paraphernalia owned by serial killers. Richard Ramirez, a satanic Bible. I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Shit like that. I don't want that shit. <laughs> I want the bullet jacket that killed. Elmer the, McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy. Lying the, down. Yeah. <laughs> in the chest. Like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just because he was like. He might be my hero. Because <laughs> he's just... What a dumb, like, comedy film main character. Like, yeah. like he should be played by, like, young Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I could picture... I'm actually wondering if there ever was a movie made about him. Probably. Probably. It's probably, like, some obscure movie. Like, it's just so cartoonish. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about it. That's why I just I had to make it a main episode. It may be a shorter episode than usual, but God, it's just... It's brilliant, though. So investigators contacted Dan Sun- Sonny, who confirmed that the body was Elmer McCurdy. Forensic anthropologist Dr. Clyde Snow was then called in to help make a positive identification. Dr. Snow took radiographs of the skull and placed them over a photo of McCurdy taken at the time of his death in a process called superimposition. Snow was able to determine that skull was able to determine that skull was that of Ellen McCurdy. On December 11th, the story of McCurdy's journey had been featured in newspapers and on television and radio. Several funeral homes called the coroner's office offering to bury McCurdy free of charge. That's nice. But officials decided to wait to see if any living relatives would come forward to claim the body. Why would they? It's yeah. a whole generation later. Like, nobody nobody knows him. Not to mention, that's how his second life began in the first place. Right. More, more the fact that nobody years would later. Him. Yeah. Six, oh, over 60. Like... 65 years that's since the, his That's death. enough time for somebody to have been born and then also die. Right. Since the day this man died. Right. right. Nobody wants him except funhouse owners. Yeah. So Fred Olds, who represented the Indian Territory Posse of Oklahoma Westerns, eventually convinced Dr. Thomas Noguchi, then the chief medical examiner slash coroner of the county of Los Angeles, to allow him to bury the body in Oklahoma. After further testing to ensure proper identification, Olds was allowed to take custody of the body. On April 22, 1977, a funeral procession was conducted to transport McCurdy to the Boot Hill section of the Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma. A graveside service attended by approximately 300 people 
was conducted, after which McCurdy was buried next to another outlaw, Bill Doolin. Oh, that's kind of a, that's almost a place of honor. Yeah. So to ensure that McCurdy's body would not be stolen, two feet of concrete (laughs) was poured over the casket. Fucking A. Even after burial. That didn't stop Tanzler. No, true. No, Uh uh-uh. Even after burial, McCurdy's legacy continues on in comic books. He is believed to be the inspiration for the DC Comics character Jonah Hex, whose backstory sounds oddly familiar. After he was killed in a saloon during a card game, the body of Jonah Hex is preserved and acquired by a traveling circus and put on display. He was then moved from the circus to an antique shop, to a warehouse, to eventually a Wild West theme park in the 1970s where he is finally discovered by historians. Also, as revealed on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, one of the creators of Mattel's He-Man and the Masters of the Universe toy line had seen McCurdy at the Funhouse in his youth and never forgot the sunken face. Wow. It I was his inspiration for Skeletor. Yes. Oh, my God. Skeletor. What an actual legendary human. This gives me so much hope By for the my power own of Grayskull. I, ha- I have hope for my own legacy now because no matter how bad I fuck up, I won't fuck up that bad <laughs> and I can still have a legacy. <laughs> yeah. May not be the best legacy. No, but who no, knows? but I'll, but people will remember me. They'll talk about yeah. me in whatever the future equivalent of podcasts, podcasts. are. <laughs> Is that important to you? No. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fully goofing. Oh, hurt. No, I don't, I don't care. I so, just be thinking about that sometimes. It's, I just, so here's what they should have done with his body once they finally figured all this out. Whatever was then standing in the place where he died, they should have demolished it and buried him there. Okay. What, the fun part? Or the fun No, when he died. Oh. The the place where he got shot. Yeah. Face down. Yeah. (laughs) In the chest somehow. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. He... They should have destroyed whatever was in that spot, buried him there, and directed an exhibit, a monument to his idiocy with just, like, a huge, like, monolith of a—you know how they do for, like, like war memorials? Yeah. Where they have, like, the names of all the, like, fallen soldiers and stuff on it? Yeah. Like, one of those, except instead of names chiseled into it, it's all the times that he fucked up. Like, <laughs> accidentally used too much C4— destroyed money <laughs> accidentally used too much c4 shot bank vault fair, door through building nitroglycerin that he's using so it's uh, even yeah. funnier oh i know exactly <laughs> exactly and then all the way down at the bottom somehow got shot in the chest while laying face down <laughs> that's the stupidest thing to do. <laughs> i mean okay yeah he was in a hayloft but still that means somebody had to shoot through the floor to hit him in the chest? I guess, yeah. He's just the single unlucky... They probably saw him, like, through the floorboards or whatever. Maybe. Guaranteed. Either way, that's the story of Elmer McCurdy, the mummy in the funhouse. The world's dumbest phenomenal man. phenomenal story. Yeah, it's just I fucking fun. love... That that's was definitely too much for a midweek. Yeah, but oddly enough, not quite enough for a full, but still... Short week, guys. We did a lot of recording today. Yeah, um, literally, we have been recording for uh, uh, again. Four hours. Take the curtain aside Lovely. here, and yeah, like yeah. almost a half a work day. Yeah. yeah. 
All we, three we've of been you. at it for a hot minute here. And I'm pointing at the computer. Like, they can see that. <laughs> it's, you guys exist inside of Audacity to us. Yes, like, you do. <laughs> uh, we have to do something real quick we haven't done in a while and call out our patrons. And there's a reason for that, and we will get to that. Uh, just a second. Da 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 do. Da 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 do. Um, you got to leave that in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't. It could be copyrighted. It's the Beatles. Uh, you can hum a melody. Oh, you can? I don't oh, know. Yeah. All right. So, real I'm, quick. I'm not legal counsel. The We're, Beatles are not going to give a shit about us. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, we haven't done this in a while, and we have such great um, peeps on our Patreon. Um. So we're going to call them all out, but there's a special reason to call them all out today. Is, is it because? Yeah, cool. Just a moment. Don't. I'm not. I'm not going to josh you. Don't blow my wad. I'm not going to josh. You. So <clears throat> we're just going to go to the <clears throat> start from the beginning. We're going to do Muddy Blairy, Katie Reitzel, Jonathan Brada, Carly, uh, Erica Ingle, John D, Beth Lawrence, Amy Rennie, Aaron Rutledge, Lex Be Better, Pirate King Luffy, Ogade Khan, Angela. Period. Accounts clerk and Jenny Lee Davis. Now the reason why we're Let doing this see. is because what? The last name you said. Jenny Lee Davis. Jeannie. Jeannie Lee Davis. Sorry. The reason we did this is because unfortunately Amanda Galilli is no more. Um can no longer mispronounce her name because she got married last week and she is now Amanda Davis. So congratulations. Congratulations, Amanda Davis. You don't have to make it sound like she died. Hey. <laughs> this is a true crime podcast. Yeah. Come now. So Yeah, no, big congrats to Amanda though. She's been around since like almost the very, very yeah. beginning. She's and one I of our never was able to get her name patrons. right. And we fucked up Galili so many times trying to pronounce it. And now we finally get it right, and she goes and changes her name. <laughs> so, anyway, congrats. Yes, congratulations. You, you and the hubby. Yes. Um, all the best from us to you. Um, that sounded so insincere, and I didn't mean it to. No, it's very, like, we're... We're tired, yes. <laughs> but we're we're really happy for um, you, and we, we appreciate that you... Uh, Appreciate us enough to have made that announcement in the patron discord, yeah, which was really cool. And I love when I get notifications. I never like reply to you guys in the discord, but I see that you're there. And every now and then I'll pop in and be like, hey, I remember you guys exist and I love you and I'll pop back out. Mm -hmm. I try to stay on top of the problem is the only way I can access discord is through my phone. So uh, a lot of me, I don't like typing on a phone. That is 98% of how I access the internet. I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. But uh, I much prefer using a keyboard to write because I have fat fucking fingers. Ruben watches TV on his phone. Yeah. He doesn't even watch it on his TV. Yeah. No. Well, really weird. Uh, I, I move around too much. I pace a lot. So I want to be able to carry my TV with me. And I can't do that with an actual TV. You gotta get one of those crank ones. <laughs> yeah, those like those an emergency like crank just ones. A, yeah, <laughs> walking around like a man with a hurdy gurdy. Yeah. <laughs> so, just a reminder that seven. What are you doing? I'm watching Deadpool. Like <laughs> seven weeks from today, a mere forty-two days from now. Yeah, you say yeah. so. Yes, uh, we start seven our seven times seven is forty-nine. 
Sorry, 49 days from now. <laughs> Anywho, we start our first long um, uh, guys, form. Long. Long form series long. on the Satanic Panic. We are getting, that's kind of another reason why the episodes are a little shorter is because we are seriously trying to get that all ready to go. Multiple, multiple scripts are underway right yeah, now. Yeah, like at the same time. So yeah. a lot of brain power is being it's used. It's liter- literally, we care so much about it that we made advertisements. Yes. Uh, you should have heard the at the beginning. We've only got two, although we've written three. We just haven't recorded it. And uh, we're not going to do it today. Nope. It's too late today. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so be looking forward to that. Uh, as always, like and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pod. Do that shit. Yeah, uh, we don't have to remind you every time anymore. Well, then maybe a new person. You never know. Yeah, but like people know how to support online content creators. I feel like they're just tired of hearing it. But if it they don't know what the website is, it doesn't really help if they know how anyway, to Anyway, like, follow, rate, share, subscribe, baby. Link in the description. Facebook.com slash TTO pod, TTO pod, patreon.com slash two towns over. Um, them's the places, them's the ones. We currently have five tiers from two dollars to 20. Each one gets you something different. Um, and I believe that's all the announcements we have to make. Shouts out to the plant babies and their moms. I like reach out. We got plans underway that like you might. You know, we might need some some info. Pl- like plant some, moms, yeah, we we might need to we might need some, to pick your brains might about do a collab. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Hit me up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, let, me, let me know what's up. I gotta learn some things about some stuff. And no, we're not talking about the strain being named. It's something different. No, yeah, it's something. I don't want to say cooler, but it's definitely cooler. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I, well, I didn't. Well. Anywho, um, <laughs> I believe that's all the announcements. I'm except, delirious. Uh, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. You're the you're the apex predator. Be be fucked to yourselves. And gargle cancer's nuts or something. I don't know. <laughs> Do th- therapy cancer. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>